Mindfulness Mode, Episode 28. If you get happy about something, your energy goes up. The energy of those around you goes up. The energy of those around you goes up. And guess what? More good stuff is coming your way. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host, Bruce Langford. On Mindfulness Mode, we talk about how people from all walks of life have discovered mindfulness and how it's impacted their lives to help them become more calm, focused, and happy. Hey, Mindful Tribe, be sure to subscribe to the show, rate it, review it, and you know what? Your ratings and reviews, they make a huge difference so that others can find it and enjoy it. That's how iTunes works. Thanks, everybody. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm totally thrilled to have Michael Sandler on the line today. Hey, Michael, are you in mindfulness mode? Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I am, Bruce. You certainly are. Michael Sandler is an all-round fascinating guy. He loves to move and have fun, and he's an avid athlete who's had more than his fair share of injuries, including being hit by a car when bicycle racing in France and being walloped by a motorcycle while mountain biking in Colorado. Back in middle school, Michael ran to and from school to avoid bullies on the school bus. Since his high school days, meditation has been part of his daily life, and he now meditates an average of two hours a day. Interestingly, he's had a knee surgery and a sinus surgery, both done without any anesthetics, just with the power of the mind and meditation. Hey, Michael, tell our Mindful Tribe listeners what really makes you tick right now. What are you working on that gets you most excited? Oh, I'd, I'd say our Inspire Nation show is what's doing it for me right now. It's uh, it's taken off. It's one of the top 10 shows, uh, self-help shows worldwide. Uh, listeners in 112 countries and counting and uh, thousands around the globe. And so that gets me up and excited each morning. It keeps me focused throughout the day. It is fascinating that the amount of focus I have now, because I am rallying the troops of, of my mind around this one passion, my amount of mindfulness and focus is higher than it's ever been. Wow. Well, you have a terrific show, and it's so interesting to hear that it has really increased your focus. That's that's fantastic. And I love the themes of your shows every day, like Motivational Mondays and Triumphant Tuesdays. I mean, they're all so upbeat. Feel Good Fridays, Smarter Saturdays. I mean, man, how can you not feel good when you <laughs> listen to Inspire Nation? That, that is absolutely terrific. But Michael, I want to talk to you about mindfulness. Mindfulness, of course, and and I want to learn from you when you first started started experiencing mindfulness, and when it first became a part of your life. Well, I think it first became a part of my life as more. Um, it didn't have the term mindfulness to it, um, but it was a meditative term. It was a meditative practice, and I first used it uh, back in high school drama many, many, many years ago when I was introduced to focusing on the breath by a director to help calm us down before we would do rehearsals. And uh, I didn't know what was going on, but I was able to soak in the words a little bit better. I was able to uh, be less, as we joked off air squirrel, um, (laughs) (laughs) be less off focus and more more, um, into the game, into what I was doing. Um, In college, I used it also for additional focus, but it was really when I was going to Europe and trying to make it as a professional cyclist, 
and was finding that I wasn't able to keep up with the big boys, that I started having to do meditation and visualization work and, and really repeat races in my head, which then allowed me to be more present in the actual race situation, which is a mindfulness situation. People flying by you on the left, flying by you on the right, decisions of a tenth of a second make the difference between either winning a race or ending up in an ambulance and having to learn how to be incredibly present. And then I cultivated that more and more as the years went by. Well, you've certainly had both of those things happen to you, ending up in an ambulance or ending up winning the race. I've heard others say they find sports and being an athlete really mindful. When did you first discover that? Was it like as a child? Well, I first learned that uh, when I was racing against the clock, I think it was ages 12 or 13, and I started doing this, that the more that I focused on um, not worrying about the race, it didn't have the term mindfulness at that point, sure. and not going, what am I going to do next, but instead just stayed in the moment of what I was doing, my body relaxed, and I was able to do better. And so I didn't have that term mindfulness, but what I was latching onto was the concept of the less mind chatter I have, so the more present in that experience, the better my performance. Right, right. Well, I want to talk with you about being an author, and I know that you're a very successful author. How do you use mindfulness to help with your creativity and being a great writer? Well, it comes down to, um, I believe the words throw flow through me rather than come from me. So um, I believe the giant cheeseburger in the sky, God, source, universe, whatever we want to call it, the divine within us, whatever it is, the words come out if we're available to the words. And, and we can only be available to the words if we've quieted our minds. So if you're thinking about what I need to do later in the day, that I've got this appointment coming up, that this, I've got this bill that I've got to take care of, I've got to remember to pick such and such a person up at this time and that time and the other, and that there's no space left for either your own creativity or intuition to kick in or for the words to flow from anywhere. <laughs> right. You're full. And so if you instead take the time to go quiet, whether that's even just a few minutes of focusing on the breath or whether that's 30 minutes beforehand or a gentle walk or jog or whatever it is. But if you take that, that time to unwind the rubber band of your mind, then it's available for whatever comes next. I love that, Michael, the rubber band of your mind. That is that is really picturesque. And, you know, like I love to write too, and I'm a contributor to the Goodman Project and like to come up with articles for that. And I find the ones that are most successful, just like you say, are the ones that I write just after I meditate, when I'm like completely relaxed and I end up writing things and later I read them and I'm going, wow, that, that really was or is a <laughs> part of my life. And I don't even know how that ended up on the paper. So. And that's it. That's when you have the empty mind, the quiet mind. You're, you're completely available to what just comes to you, the intuitive side. And, and you're not thinking. You're fully present but without thought. The words flow. If you try to think or force the words onto the paper at that time, then you get stuck. Right, exactly. And it's, it's that whole piece of just 
allowing and not trying to force things to happen in your life in, in any way, right? And that's easier said than done, though, because, you know, I try. I try really hard. I try to allow things. No, I'm kidding. Okay, <laughs> I'm kidding. Because you can't, can you? You can't try. You can't work at it. You have to do something else. How do you describe that act of just allowing things to happen? Well, try is is a lot of effort. <laughs> it is. And it's often effort in a, for lack of another term, wrong direction. Um, meaning if you are in flow, if you are doing, if you're just putting one step in front of the other, um, we'll use the analogy of water, you're just going to go downstream around the rocks and you're going to keep going. You're going to get from point A to point B and there's, there's little effort involved. The water is not striving to get down the stream. However, if you're trying, typically what you're trying to do is turn that water and make it go upstream. And that's, that's a lot of work. Now to figure out that, that sounds very, you know, Zen fortune cookie to figure out how we bring that to our lives of, OK, how do we flow and not try? It doesn't mean not work hard. But what it means is if the door is open, go through it. If the door appears to be closed, certainly you can knock on it and see if the door wants to open. But if not, go around it, move to a different location. Look at how you can do that a different way so that you're not expending all of your energy forcing things to happen. Instead, it is more of an allowing. And, and that is where faith, and that can be faith in God or universe source, or it could just be faith in yourself and what you're doing, faith in what you're passionate about. That kind of replaces the fear that, oh, I have to, I have to, I have to, or if it's not going to work out. And said, no, I know this is going to work out. Everything's going to work out just as it should. And if it doesn't work out in this particular direction, I'm sure a door will open over here that's maybe an even better direction that I hadn't considered. Yes, I love your philosophy. And you know what? I I really think in our society, we've been conditioned to do the opposite. We've been conditioned that we have to try so hard and work so hard. At least that's my opinion. Do you share that opinion? Yeah, and, and I've been as guilty as anyone else or guiltier than anyone else. I've lost years of my life working on different projects when there were clear indications that this was an uphill road and that often we're only one degree off. The gears are, are out of mesh, just the tiniest bit from being in perfect sync. If we can step back, go quiet, and look at the whole picture. But instead, if we're in that try mode, and that try mode, even if we call it mindfulness, being present, but we haven't really stepped back, we often don't see that we're just one degree off from what would make all the difference in the world because we're so wrapped up in the minutia, wrapped up in the detail. Yeah, we really are. Step back and go quiet. Yeah, that's yes. great advice. It really is. And Michael, I want to talk about humor because when I think of humor, I think of Michael Sandler. I think I, think, I love your laugh, first of all. And... I'm thinking, you know, is that really true? Is Michael Sandler a guy that it really embraces humor? And if so, what are your comments about humor? How do you use it to relax and enjoy your life and just be a little lighter? Oh, oh it's definitely me. And, and if my wife were standing behind me right here, uh, she'd have her hands up like little, tiny little lobster claws, uh, ready to jab me in the side at any moment's notice if I'm not laughing enough. <laughs> because... Uh, um, Laughter, laughter is healing. Laughter is life. Laughter is um, 
it, it, it goes beyond us. If you think of uh, uh, a Buddha or something, you picture them, them laughing raucously. And, and that's just, um, I think this place was, is, is, it's supposed to be a hoot. <laughs> this, this, this place that we get so stressed out about. Um, look, you're brought here. You're going to be here if you're lucky 100 years. Then you're gone. You're gone, man. So you have a choice. You can worry about being gone <laughs> and it's coming or just have a party. And, and I'd rather choose have a party. So view everything that I can as funny. And so I'll be walking down the street. I'll be either thinking of nothing or thinking of yesterday's podcast or something. And I'll just break out laughing because it's just hilarious. And so I think we get to bring that humor into everything we do. People who say, get serious, grow up, um, any phrase along that, those lines. I don't think this life was meant to be serious because it has the expression go, um, uh, gain enlightenment or, or before enlightenment, carry water, chop wood. After enlightenment, carry water, chop wood. You could be as serious you want. You're still going to have to carry your water and chop your wood. So you might as well have fun with it. <laughs> Let's do it. I agree with you. Let's party. Let's have a great time. Woo! Absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say, when am I going to hear that? Do that again. <laughs> Woo-hoo! Oh yeah. And that, and that is, an, that is, is, uh, um, we, we had somebody write in right as we started and, and said, I think you're overdoing it on the woohoo. And, and um, the fact of the matter is, that's just my natural way of getting the energy up. It just flows through me. And so if I'm excited, I'm woohooing. And, and what I found in years past, years ago, we got a, uh, we had 10 publishers uh, on a bidding war for, um, for one of our books. And we came out with this just amazing, over-the-top, beautiful uh, uh, paperback deal. And do you know what Jessica and I did not do? What? what we did didn't woo-hoo. Oh, you didn't? We did not woo-hoo. We violated an essential contract with the universe, which is high-five, man. High-five every chance you get. If you get excited about something, if you get happy about something – your energy goes up. The energy of those around you goes up. The energy of those around you goes up. And guess what? More good stuff is coming your way. If you say, oh, I've got a contract now. I've got to get busy. I've got to get focused. I've got to, got to, got to, got to, got to, got to, got to. Well, guess what? The universe or whatever you attract into your life is going to bring you a giant stack of got to and put that right on your desk for yes. you. Giant. And then you're not going to be laughing. You're going to be crying. <laughs> right. You're right. Well, I totally believe in humor and I I uh, have to say that I'm always trying to be funny and I think I am funny with my wife and and my son Ben and uh, energy uh, is coming through loud and clear and I have for for people who can't see you, I get the joy of seeing you and and you're like um you're not um Large, large as Santa size, but you've got the Santa jolliness going on inside of you. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. Well, I say things at home and, and my, my son, Ben, he says, dad, you know, that's really not funny. And I say, well, you know <laughs> what? I think it is. And so I'm going to laugh. And if you decide to laugh, that might make you feel good too. <laughs> There's no such thing as too much laughter in this world. So. I totally agree. Absolutely. But I, I have to tell you, I do have I do have messages from Mindful Tribe who say, well, 
Bruce, how do you get more discipline? How do you become more disciplined in your life and really accomplish what you need to accomplish? And man, that sounds awfully serious to me. It doesn't sound like me at all. But what are your comments on discipline? Because of course, as a writer, as an athlete, well, you have to have what we call a certain amount of discipline, I think, don't we? Well, I'd throw out the word discipline with a capital D. Let's let's just let's get rid of it. The curve that's got a lot of <laughs> yeah. negative connotation. It really does. So let's build some structure into our day. And I say build structure into your day where things get done uh, just because you trip over them. So, uh, for example, if you have a routine where you get out of bed and your shoes are waiting for you, and if you put the shoes on, you accidentally happen to be going out for a walk, which calms and quiets the mind. Fantastic. If you you have things set up so that you have a pillow waiting for you when you wake up, you stuff it under your butt and you fall right into your meditation and you didn't even have to think about it. Perfect. Set up your day so you trip over the things that you want to get done. No discipline, no giant D word involved. Make it as super simple, as easy as you can. With that said, keep your promises to yourself. They are the most sacred things in the world. You know, you you make promises to your wife or to your spouse when you get married. You make promises to your kids and you do your best to keep those. But we seem to blow off the promises we make to ourselves. And what happens is when you blow off the promises you make to yourself, you become weaker, you become less, um, less capable and you become less confident in yourself. And so you go, yeah, well, I'll try to get that done, but we'll see how that goes. You've lost confidence in yourself because you keep on breaking promises to yourself. If you know, well, heck, I got that done and I said I was going to do this other thing. And wow, I actually did it, you know, for myself, pedal 5,000 miles across the country. God, that was hard. But I said I was going to do it and I did it, which meant the next activity, I was more likely, wow, I got that one done. I guess I can write a book. I will be able to get through that. And I got through that book. Okay, then this other thing that I said I'm going to do, I bet I can do that as well because I kept those internal promises. And I love that, Michael, that, you know, keep your promises to yourself. So, you know, how many of us do make promises and we're half-hearted about it and we, you know, we don't really genuinely mean it and then we don't pull it off. And, you know, it, it kind of reminds me, you know, getting great tips like that, great ideas. I was talking with Kate Erickson yesterday for an interview and I mean, she's got such great ideas and tips and so on. And she said, you know, you got to, in order to get things done, you have to remember your why, why and I and I'm like yeah I remember my why one of my big whys is my son you know Mm -hmm. like I love the guy he's amazing he's awesome to hang around and all that stuff and that's one of my big whys and then so today when I came to work I thought okay so I need to just like keep remembering my why so uh what will I do so I went into his room this morning sleeping away and I thought I'll just grab something of his a shirt or something and I'll put it up and it'll remind me you know every second when I look at and I didn't really see a shirt to grab and everything so I grabbed a sock so I put this sock up here and I thought, you I know what? It. I'm thinking of this. I'm thinking, I don't even care if it's a dirty sock. I love that kid. And that's my why. And, and it sounds kind of crazy, but I think that's what we have to do. We have to be so sold on our why. And like you say, so, so determined to keep our promises to ourselves. So- you hit on something key a minute ago, which goes with the why, which is you said we make promises half-heartedly. And this falls right back in the mindfulness spectrum of thing, which is understand, yes, the why of why you're making a decision and don't do anything 
half-heartedly. Ask yourself, if I'm going, yeah, I think I'll get that done, full stop. What's going on here? What's, go several layers under the surface because it sounds like you're setting yourself up to not keep your promise. And it's okay if you don't want to do something. It's okay if you don't believe you can do it and you don't really want to try that direction. You don't have to. There are no rules that say you do. But get clear on it before you promise to yourself so you don't set yourself up for heartache. All too often, we, we set goals or we promise we're going to do things sort of like a New Year's resolution. I'm going to go to the gym this year. And we, we, we know that's not really who we are. Maybe we like to be out running or kayaking or, or given the opportunity to go hiking or something, but we know we hate the gym. So why make a promise to yourself that you're going to go to the gym and set yourself up for failure? Yeah, and good point. Instead, go quiet, listen, and figure out what works for you. Excellent. Yeah, great point, Michael. You know, I know in your bio, on your website, and information that I've heard you say on Inspire Nation, you talk a little bit about how you were bullied as a kid. And I really resonate with that because, you know, I've done anti-bullying work for years. Can you talk a little bit about bullying and mindfulness? Maybe tell us a story or share with us so that we can understand a little bit more, a little more deeply about about bullying, but certainly about how mindfulness and meditation can help. Well, you, we were talking off air, bef- air beforehand briefly about your son, and he was talking about how confident he is he won't get bullying, get bullied. And he brings to the table an extremely important point, which is presence and non-reactivity. So bullying, it takes two people to bully. It, it really does. So if you get bullied once, and you could get bullied uh, to an extreme, that is all the bullier's fault. Now, it's never the person who's being bullied fault, but how we respond is our choice. It is always our choice. And as a kid, I was bullied like the best of them. Uh, I was locked in a locker. I was beaten up daily. Um, I, I was pounded by groups of people at once. It was, I, I had an amazing resiliency in me. And for some reason, I was brought to this planet with a, a, um, a hold back my punches, I never wanted to hurt the other kid. I didn't, on the other hand, come here with the hold back my words. And that probably would have saved me a lot of heartache because all you'd have to do is is poke Michael ever so gently with the poker in the side and I'd react. And that was fun for the bully because now they've got a toy to play with. (laughs) You know, a a cat and a mouse. If that mouse isn't scurrying around, the cat just kind of looks at it like, eh. What am I going to do with that thing? But I would react and I would react with uh, uh, anger or fear or or um, even viciousness, all, all out of just fear, basically. But I would not bite my tongue. And that comes from mindfulness, from learning how to go quiet in that moment and not react. And if you don't react, there's really not much to go with. Now, certainly if they're really vicious, they, they can do whatever they're going to do. There's not much you can do about that as far as I'm still holding my tongue. But chances are you don't go far down that line. And that's what I've coached kids with in the ADD world is how to become more present in the moment so that you don't make these visceral responses, the respond first and think about it later on, because that's what really gets us in trouble. And that's what the bullies enjoy so much. That's the entertainment. Yeah, it really is. And it's such a valid point that you're making. Michael, when you coach kids who are challenged like that, tell me, what are some of the first things you do with them? 
So there's different practices. You can have the practice of working maybe a three to five minute breathing exercise where we're just working on a count. That's a favorite of mine for kids because it's so simple. And kids get the idea of let's go into non-thought, particularly the younger kids. They get this dialed good. But then I want to do visualization work with them where I want them to picture a bully or bullies there. And I want to picture them being in that situation. They're being taunted. They're being called out, whatever it is. And I want them to go through that in their mind's eye while working on the breath so that we can get them into a calmer, relaxed state so that when they're in that experience, they can go, oh, I practiced this with Michael. I can see this. I know what to do in this situation. And they can go into that calmer, quieter place where they can step back from the action. Instead of being the one poked, they can go, okay, there are a whole bunch of people around me. They're waiting to see how I respond to this situation. Ooh. I've done this one before. Cool. And it's not that they're excited to be in that situation, but it's it's like the visualization you do for a bicycle race. You've practiced it, you've practiced it, you've practiced it. Here's the event. I can do this. Right. And they have the confidence they can do it because they've been practicing it. Versus they get into a situation, it's a complete unknown. The cortisol levels go up, the adrenaline goes up. There are all these people around them. There are people maybe hoping, fight, fight, fight. Who knows what's going on? Sorry, I've been in these situations. <laughs> And and uh, and all of a sudden they're spinning top and they're going to bounce off of whatever comes next. That's not what we want. And so we practice that and practice it. Yeah. And, you know, I've noticed you've mentioned calmer and quieter a number of times. And I think it's so, so cool because you talk about being calmer and quieter and you've achieved uh You've you've been able to become a a really upbeat, outgoing, exciting, fun kind of person. At least that's how you come across to me. And and it would seem to me that you've achieved that through being calmer and quieter. <laughs> is that right? It's a beautiful irony. It really is, yeah, Bruce. In is. in that um, there's either a switch that you can flip, or um, I need both. I need that. You know, it's still early here in the morning, relatively speaking. But I get up and I go quiet. And I am completely silent for this morning. I don't know if it's 30, 40 minutes or longer to start the day. And then I go out for a quiet walk as well. So I'm kind of recharging the batteries so that I'll be able to ebb and flow. But I think you need that. If you're, if you're always in this, woohoo, chatter, 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 go, 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 you're not present at all. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I think it's one of life's biggest secrets that a lot of people have not discovered. And that's one of the reasons I created Mindfulness Mode, because I really want to take the idea of mindfulness to the mainstream so people mm -hmm. can discover those kinds of hidden secrets that really aren't secrets at all. No, no, it's it's just a, it's it's a way of being more human before we had uh, TV blasting at us all the time, before we were being completely bombarded with things in a thousand directions. We would get up, we would go outside, we would get the water, we would hunt, we would gather, whatever it was. But we would have those moments that were gentle pauses. And then we'd have moments with the tribe where we're, we're laughing and we're drinking and, and we're celebrating in time with the kids. But you'd have that combination, but you wouldn't have those other stimulus which are telling you what to think and bombarding your mind all the time so that the mind is like that rubber band wound up, wound up, wound up, wound up, wound up. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Michael, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30-second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? 
Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll go with who I consider my greatest teacher. And uh, that's a gentleman by the name of Claudio. And uh, Claudio thinks, doesn't think, he heartfelt believes that we've got it all too complicated. And it's as simple as this. And I know that was an awkward pause for everybody out there, but it's as simple as going silent and just being in that silent present space. And so a lot of times I do an exercise. Um, uh, our computers, they freeze on occasion. Everybody's computer freezes. And when it freezes, I like to freeze too. And just take five or 10 seconds or however it is, as long as the computer is pinwheeling and just drop right into the silence and see how fast I can drop into that silence because I'm building a resiliency in the mind get it quieter and quieter still. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, Michael? Oh, hugely so, because I've become a lot less reactive. Uh, I'm a lot less of that Super Bowl bouncing from one thing to the next, and I'm a lot more present in myself. And by present in myself, it means I don't take ownership of the balls that are thrown at me or bounced at me by others around me. But instead, I, if somebody throws me a fear ball, I'm able to say, oh, wait, that's not mine. <laughs> I don't need that. <laughs> Tell us how breathing is a part of your mindfulness practice. I try to make breathing a, there's conscious and unconscious breathing, and I'm always trying to come back to my breath consciously. With that said, my voice has changed over the years, and the voice that you hear on air is much more because of my mindfulness practice. It used to be much up here. It used to be this faster talking a little bit. I'd get on the phone with somebody, customer service, and they'd say, how can I help you, ma'am? And that was because I was breathing up here, up high in my chest, and I was talking really fast and never taking a deep, full, slow breath. And so focusing on the breath calms me, brings me back into that present moment, gets my mind quieter and allows me to achieve all the things that I've achieved. So the breath really is the metronome or the heartbeat that guides everything. If you could recommend a book on mindfulness, what would it be, Michael? One would be uh, by Dean Slider, and that's S-L-U-Y-T-E-R. has a book called Natural Meditation, which is about how to make meditation easier in any moment. And uh, we often work too hard at our meditation. And uh, which is kind of ironic, working at not working. <laughs> it is ironic for sure. So natural meditation. Great. Can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful? Um, I don't actually have any apps that I'm using to, to be more mindful. And years gone by, um, I'd use different things. And this is kind of pre-app that would have kind of uh, like biometrics or allow you to see based on your breathing and based on your pulse or changes in your pulse. Um, if you're able to get into a more of a relaxed state. But I tend to leave the electronics behind as much as possible. And uh, so it's very rare for me to put meditation and tools together. Instead, I want to just drop into that quiet place. What advice would you give a person who is new to mindfulness and they'd like to start using it in their life? Focus on the breath. Just go to the breath. Go to the breath. Go to the breath. And that can be as simple as uh, you're on the bus or on the subway on the way to work in the morning. Can I take one minute of just feeling the breath coming in, feeling the breath going out, and just starting from there and expanding from there? Or you're at work, you're at your computer, you're starting to get a little bit stressed out. Go into the breath, breathe in, one, two, three, 
out one, two, three. I like throwing a count on it. That's that's my toy. That's my app is just counting. <laughs> yeah, and just, for sure. Just drop right back into the breath. Awesome suggestion, Michael. Michael, how can Mindful Tribe contact you and learn more about what you do? Oh, thank you. They can go uh, they can go to inspirenationshow.com. That is the easiest way to get a hold of us. And they can also check out our Inspire Nation show. And uh, we tend to put on daily meditations as well. So um, there'll be guided meditations, either mindfulness-oriented or relaxation-oriented, but all different things to help you unwind the rubber band of your mind, which will help you get into a more mindful state. That is fantastic. Thank you so much. You know, Michael, it has been an absolute pleasure to spend this time with you today. And I am completely inspired by the many cool things you've done in your life, including Inspire Nation. And I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being part of Mindfulness Mode today. Thanks, Michael. Well, thank you, Bruce. And you have such amazing energy. So for everybody out there, keep tuning into Mindfulness Mode. And wow. You, you have you can you can see it's uh, on video here. I've got this giant beam of light coming at me from the morning sun. That's you, Bruce. <laughs> That's awesome. That is you. So keep on shining bright. Thanks so much. Bye now. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out MindfulnessMode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. In appreciation, I'll mention you at the top of an upcoming show. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.